What's up, everybody? I hope you're ready for Camp MoGraph. If you're going, if you're not, I'm sorry about the FOMO. We are at camp, and so we're going to play this special. But we've never played it on the podcast stream before, so if you haven't caught it, this will be new to you. All right. We will see you after Camp MoGraph. Bye. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a MoGraph special on Stop Being Afraid of Houdini. I'm Dave, and joining us tonight on this special is Mark Fancher. And one of uh, the Stop Being Afraid of Houdini students, Alex Leo. So, And we are going to be uh, discussing the class and discussing Houdini tonight. Um, as you saw the promo there, if you haven't seen the promo uh, before, it's a... It turned out great, thanks to your amazing visuals that you built for the course. Uh, the Stop Being Afraid of Houdini course came out a year ago, January, right before the pandemic started. And Mark, you put in a ridiculous amount of time into it, and uh, it's been extremely successful. And then you decided, hey, 18.5 is out, let's update it. So you essentially just uh, redid the entire thing, walked through your own course as a student, so uh, tell us about that process. How fun was that redoing the entire 40 hour course? Almost. It was years. a grind. It was a grind. I got to kind of uh, experience it from the opposite end because obviously when you make the course, you're like completely burnt out. Um, when you first make it, you're like, okay, I'm not looking at this for a while. I'm going to answer questions. I'm going to interact with people. I'm going to hang out with my family, you know, things like that. And then, um, you know, waiting several months, you know, going through and obviously making sure that things are fixed and they're all working all along the way. Um, but then to actually like revisit it and fully like give yourself the full treatment all the way from top to bottom, the entire course, every single moment of every lesson following along on the computer, it was quite a thing that I have put several um, hundred people through at this point, I feel <laughs> like. So it's, it's, it's crazy, but um yeah, it was uh, it was kind of an interesting experience to see it from that end, and found a bunch of ways to improve some of the lessons. Um, obviously, update a lot of the lessons. You know, um, some lessons needed like full full on. Just this needs to be redone. Other lessons were just dubbed. Some areas just needed a little. You know, some nodes changed, so we just wanted to change like one or two things. So, yeah, it's been. Uh, yeah, it's been it was it's been a long process. Obviously, eighteen point five came out a little while ago at this point, but yeah. I mean, it's just it is quite an undertaking to um, manage and maintain uh, forty hours worth of yeah. material. Um, we can't guarantee it's, it's that like, it will be that <laughs> meticulously updated all the time. Hopefully, the, these interface changes are kind of settled in at this point mm -hmm. i don't think it's going to be like a major interface change every 0.5 update because it would be really hard to <laughs> keep up with that um you know but uh, i'm looking forward to part two now that you're done with that i mean you know <laughs> you can start on the next course you're not burnt out at all right no i mean i need a little bit of, I, I need little breaks here and there but we'll see I mean, yeah i think I'm, i've been kicking around some ideas trying to figure out what form it might take um but i would like to get back to trying to make some more content at some point and you, you know you're uh all this time you spent on this this is not a different course 
this is the same course. And if you already had the old course, you get the new course. And it's not like it's updating the version that you had. It, it comes up on your, uh, your account as a separate 18.5 course. I think it's important to note that if you are already in the, in the middle of the first version of the course, it's not like you have to finish the course and go take the other one. This is like, if you're in 18.5 and you are noticing some of those little differences, this is a good time if you're in the middle, just switch over because the interface and everything is gonna match. And then you can see, because we've updated it within the course, you can see what's new and what's updated. So you'll be able to tell if it's something you've taken or not. Um, so you get to keep the old one. If, if you still want to have that old content and need to go back and reference something, you can, or you can uh, just move on to this one. And then people who buy the course at this point moving forward, they get just that 18.5 version. So um, just thought I'd put that out there. A couple people were a little confused about that, you know, and I uh, just wanted to make sure everyone knew. Uh, we also wanted to kind of, we don't have everything, uh, I guess, squared away exactly on what this is going to be, but uh, I, we talked about this on the MoGraph podcast the other day, but there is going to be a, um, a scholarship that we're going to do. So if you don't have this class and you're you're thinking about it, uh, we haven't figured out the criteria exactly how it's going to be awarded, but we're going to award three scholarships um, over the next month. We'll have more details on that. Um, but there is a uh, a doctor or surgeon, very very high up there, specialist, and he uses Cinema 4D to create animations for some of the other doctors he's training. And in the process, he started listening to our show and he got a lot out of our show. And, and I think his students are getting a lot out of his use of Cinema 4D for illustrating things that are hard to explain in a textbook, in a photo, right? So it's, it's like once they see these things kind of pop off the page and animate their understanding of like, the, of like heart valves and things, uh, really like kicks in and, and that's what he likes about motion graphics so it's like he's a, a super specialist in the heart field I forget what the actual title is it's like some crazy title um, but he's gotten so much out of that and out of our show that he was like I want to uh, donate something to you and I'm like well we don't really have like a Patreon or anything um, but uh, his idea actually was to buy copies of the course to give away as a scholarship. So that's what we're going to be doing. And the way that we're going to do it as well, once we, we figure out what the criteria are going to be, is we are going to have um, a certificate of scholarship that looks something similar to this. This is a, a mock-up right now. Jeremy's working on this. Uh, this is going to be an animated uh, certificate of scholarship that you get. And it will be minted, and we will transfer the minted piece to you uh, in some way, shape, or form, whatever you want it transferred on, probably OpenSea. It'll be animated. You also get a physical piece with this, and it will have the scholarship up with like a little bit of shimmer, and every once in a while, you'll see the logo come in and the dancer dance. So it's kind of a fun way to do that. We're, we're thinking of fun and interesting ways to do uh, NFTs to utilize NFTs in the blockchain. And this will be your official blockchain certificate of scholarship. And uh, so we'll award those. Um, Mark, maybe we'll do a video or have you on for a short, short segment to announce the winner. Uh, but we will talk about all that. We'll put videos out on social. Make sure you subscribe, YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff, even TikTok. 
where we also have funny uh, tips and things that you can't get in the other places. So um, stay tuned on that. And uh, so, so I wanted to talk, first of all, about what these changes are uh, in the new course. We're going to open it up. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to take questions as well. And then, of course, Alex, we're going to talk to you about your experience with the course a little bit. And um, I'm interested to see if, if people have suggestions, ideas, questions on Houdini. So um, I'm going to open it up. I, I know uh, Jeff Burns already said suggestions for, <laughs> suggestions uh, on titles for the next course. Continue not being afraid of Houdini. <laughs> or I still know that you're not afraid of Houdini. Uh my suggestion was no longer afraid of Houdini. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll think of something. Or, like, become afraid of Houdini once again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to make it super ridiculous. So, you're not afraid for no of reason. Houdini, huh? Let me tell you about Vex. <laughs> Let me tell you about Vex. But... <laughs> Let's um let's open it up. So so when you go to mograph.com, you click on classes, you can go to your your class portal. We use a you know a service. We don't build all this stuff custom. That's that would be ridiculous. We use services that are already built for this. So um, you log in to our course platform that we have built in uh, with this third party here, and um, when you go to your course it shows all your progress and all of that stuff and we're just going to go down and talk about these chapters and what's new and what's not new by actually showing you what the course looks like if you're if you're inside of it so uh let me open it up so i can show you what it looks like not as me as an admin <laughs> what you actually get here let me mute the site probably don't want to hear the course at this point but um so this is what it looks like you have a really cool like motivational speech that comes up at the beginning and kind of guides you through it. There's a lot of downloads and things that you might or might not want to get depending on uh, what you're working on. And uh, so some of those are pretty big files. So it outlines all of that. There's a discussions tab. If you have any questions, I will testify to the fact that the minute anybody asks any question at all in here, Mark, you are all over it. And uh, so the discussions tab is super valuable. Anything you want to know, Mark goes out of his way into screenshots and draws on it like Madden and, and whatever and like helps you get through your crazy nodes and things. So um, let's talk about what's new and not new in here. Um, I thought I had put some shiny little badges next to these. I guess they don't do they not show up in here. I don't know. Um, 2.5. Let's talk. Oh, yeah, here they are. So uh, chapter 2.5. Uh, what we've done on any of these in general is we put a little star if it's a, an updated chapter, and we put a little blue new badge if it's something new. So, Mark, why don't you tell us about what's new here, and I'll just navigate to what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in Chapter 2.5, originally Chapter 2.5 was a part of Chapter 2. We just had a little rendering blurb where we kind of went over how to do a basic rendering in Redshift and in Mantra. And so with Chapter 2.5, you know, with the new version of this course, I wanted to add Octane support because a lot of people, um, you know, our industry basically uses either Redshift or Octane, and I felt like there were a decent number of people who I felt were kind of missing the Octane portion. They wanted to have that, you know, um, 
included in the course. So I felt like, okay, we've got a few render engines we're adding in here. Might as well do Solaris since that's new as well, which is another, um, Solaris is another context inside of Houdini for doing, um, for doing, uh, you know, USD based scene building mm. and rendering using Karma, their new render engine. So there's Mantra render engine, there's Karma render engine, there's Redshift and Octane. And I don't know if I'm missing anything. It looks like it's all that, but I felt yeah. like with all that, with that many render engines and scenarios, it was deserving of its own chapter. So we just kind of yeah. broke it off and put it in between chapter two and three. I think that's good because you got the whole Octane world and it's, Let's be honest, it's mostly people using Cinema 4D and Octane in that world, right? That's what it feels yeah. like anyway. And you've got uh, you've got Redshift, obviously, because that's Maxon's. And you've got Mantra, built-in, Solaris, like you said. So it's like, if you're already in Houdini or you already kind of know Houdini, uh, you can learn about what's already built in. You probably already kind of know about that, so it's good to get the refresher. If you're somebody who's coming in from Cinema 4D... Or something else. It doesn't have to be Cinema 4D, obviously. Uh, you know, this is a little bit tailored to Cinema 4D artists, but, you know, anybody can take the course. Um, a lot of those people are coming with Redshift and Octane experience. And uh, I think that's great to show, and, and to show the install, too, because sometimes these installs are very taxing. Not as straightforward as it is to install a render engine in... Um in uh, Cinema 4D for sure. So, you know, there's tweaking with the environment file or and or using packages. I don't go over using packages because I find they're a little bit harder to troubleshoot than the environment file. Um, and that's something you can get into on your own later on. Um, but for getting you started going, I feel like it's really great. And also, you know, throughout this process, I got to learn Octane. And I, th I think Octane in Houdini is... Um, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's a great render engine. It looks gorgeous, and I'd never really used it, except for maybe one job when I first started at ABC. Um, we used Octane on one job there, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great, and it's super capable in um, in uh, Houdini. And I like how EJ is trolling the chat <laughs> about Blender. Blender's free. Did you know Blender's free? Have you heard of Blender? <laughs> <laughs> It's like the uh, the seagulls in uh, what Disney movie is that? Is that um, uh, Finding Nemo? Mine, mine, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think so. I think so. Blender, yeah. blender, blender, blender. They come out of the woodwork, you know. Um, yeah, but but actually, uh, that is a good question though. Tell everybody about Houdini's levels of uh, tiers of registration, depending on if you're. Uh, you know, just getting started, indie, what is it, indie, apprentice, what are, mm -hmm. what are they? Yeah, so you've got, apprentice is like the free version, which anybody can get, you just enter in your email, and it's limited to, I think, like, it's a lower resolution render, you can only use first party render engines, so, like, um, you'd only be able to use uh, Mantra and Karma to render in there, and your renderings would be watermarked, but it's definitely enough to learn most of the content in the course. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you want to take things to the next level, there's Indie, and I believe Indie they is about it's don't quote me on it, but I think it's about two seventy for one year. That sounds or if about you buy, right. If yeah. you buy two years, it's two, it's four hundred. So you kind of save some money if you buy two years outright, yeah. and um, that gives you basically. Um, it's basically the same as a full effects license, except you're required to be making under um, 
100k per year um, to be legally using that version of the software. Okay, and here's and the thing be- that I never understood. Uh, is that 100k per year for your business or that you make off of using specifically Houdini? That's where I don't I don't so know, but weird. I'm pretty sure yeah, I'm pretty sure that if you're running a motion design business and you're using Houdini as part of your product, whether you're you know, calculating the percentage of time you're spending in Houdini <laughs> And, you know, or, or the number of billable hours you have in Houdini, I think, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's accounted for in such a way. Yeah. Um, I think that it's really kind of one of those things that you, you, you got to, you know, just scouts honor with that thing and, you know, try to do the right thing. And I'm sure if you reached out to side effects, they would give you exactly the right answer on that one. Right. <laughs> you know, of course, when it really came down to it. Yeah. But it's yeah. not as easy to figure out as like if you're doing like Unreal or something. Because no, they can base yeah. that on like your sales, so it's mm-hmm. very easy to figure out. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, beyond beyond indie, there's um, core and effects and various levels of um, what are those uh, like floating licenses will be more expensive. But beyond that, you're getting into the studio level, the professional level uh, licenses that um, kind of get you full access to the software, and there aren't really any limitations to. Um, to the software. So like one of the major issues or things between going between versions of software is that Apprentice has its own file format, its own file extension dot hip dot LC or dot NC. And you can't, you can't, you can't send apprentice files up to indie or up to effects. You can't send indie files up to effects. You, but you can go the other way. You can take an effects file and send it to an indie user or in, or to an apprentice user. So they kind yeah. of control how that flows, just kind of manage to make sure there aren't like any indie or apprentice users feeding assets into a professional pipeline that's using effects licenses and stuff like I that. I see. I see. But yeah. I think you, you can technically convert it up if you ask nicely and go through some sort of process. Isn't that a thing? Or am I completely thinking of something else? Maybe I'm thinking of nuke. Yeah, you can, you can up, you can up convert a, um, apprentice to an indie file using Orbolt, um, which is an online sort of portal. Mm. But then to go from indie to effects, that's like sort of a one time thing that, uh, um, that side effects will do for you upon purchasing, uh, full effects license is, um, at least this is the last I heard is that they will take all your project files, you'll, you'll hand them over to them and they will return you, um, effects versions of the files but there isn't like an online updater for it that's sort of like a a bespoke like you know one-off uh customer service type of an interaction right Right. it's not an easy thing to do yeah yeah um let's the the orbital thing though is really easy to use the orbital like upgrading um because i started the class with apprentice and then i went into an indie basically when i got to the I think like rendering portion mm-hmm. of the class, but it's like super easy. You just send them the file, update it, and they'll send you back just a, a uh, the, the indie version of the file. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go over the rest of the chapters real quick, and then Alex, I want to get into some of your experience. You got to chapter three here, this geometry overview. You've actually um, added a bit in here, and I, I like the the coffee mug deal because this is a a new chapter. This is like a proce- procedural coffee cup that you made, right? Yeah. So, like, I in our original like basics of modeling, where we go over like the greatest hits, like extrude and um, 
I don't know, sweep and stuff like that. You know, in the original one, like using the bend deformer and stuff like that, it was kind of just a vague example where I just kind of had like a plane in a circle and it just, it wasn't like the most um, applicable sort of geometry. So I felt like it would be kind of fun to take it a little bit further and do a coffee mug, some sort of real world object that makes a little bit more sense in terms of actually having a goal that we're working towards instead of just using modeling tools on an abstract grid. So that's sort of where this came from. So we kind of do in the first part, in this 3B part, we kind of do how to like classically model it in sort of a destructive kind of more in a way that would be more akin to like how you would work in a classical modeling application. And then we kind of go over some stuff in the next section about how to work with groups. And then we come back to and proceduralize the coffee mug um, in the following lesson where we can actually, you know, um, make it so that it's a little bit more bulletproof that we can actually move the points around of the handle and have it re-bridge to different um, sections of the coffee mug. And just kind of working with getting your mind a little bit more ready to think in the procedural way that you can um, that you do when you're working in a Houdini. So. Bulletproof coffee. Isn't that a real yep. thing? Isn't bulletproof a brand of coffee, actually? I, I bet it is because I think there's everything you could possibly think of has become, become a brand, <laughs> a brand of coffee at some point. Ooh, look at totally. that procedural mug. Ooh, that's looking weird. It's getting weird. Yeah, but yeah, it'll cool. it breaks for a little bit and then it and then it ends up working. But <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome because you even got the UVs mapped on it and everything. Is that is that yep. what you're doing there? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, a little UVing. Yeah. Awesome. Sure. I don't know enough about Houdini to get all the way through this. I try. <laughs> I try. I know all the buzzwords, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you got uh you got some updates as well. I remember you had like the cell head dude. You can see, you know, you can see that in the promos. Uh you did yeah. some updates to some of these um for the copies. What else do we have? What else is what else is new here? I think like the um yeah I did a new intro to Vops. I just kind of cl- some of the sections I felt just needed to be a little bit clearer, more clearly stated. So I did go over some and not necessarily change too much, but just give them some slight tweaking and re-recording mm-hmm. of sections to make them like flow better. Because as a student, I was trying to follow along and I'm like, okay, I I felt like I was bouncing around too much. So I just tried to streamline and make some of them a little bit more straightforward. And then um in the and then in the second section, when we get into like vellum, vellum is a chapter yeah. that was like heavily redone. Um, like almost, like almost every single lesson here had major redo going on with it because of all the things that have changed. Vellum being um, a relatively new like piece of Houdini, it yeah. is being developed heavily as we were building this course, and so a lot had changed between 17.5 and 18 and 18.5, and I just felt like a lot of these lessons, it was necessary to either completely re-record them, um, add new sections to them. So in this section, we added a new cloth. Uh, we yeah, we did a new cloth that, that cloth, though. I'm going to bring that up full screen for a second. I guess there's no point in me doing it 4K if we're on the... By the way, this is in 4K. The whole course. Like, you go full yeah. screen with this, you switch this over to 4K, put it on your 4K screen, it looks good. It looks very good. Oh, man. Breaking news. Oh, I, I thought thirty I thought 3090s were in stock. I was going to let the internet know. I was wrong. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, you when you put this in 4K on a 4K screen... Man, it looks like you are looking at the program. Like, mm-hmm. it looks like you are looking right at 
Mark's screen. Man, this looks so good. We got to add this to the promo, by the by, on our new version for of the sure. promo that goes out. Um, yeah, Vellum was like pretty new when the original version came out, right? Yeah. It, well, when uh, yeah, when the original version came out, Vellum was probably like a dot version away from being um, it, it, being in the software, and they're continuously like making it better and more stable. They're fixing bugs with it, stuff like that. And a lot of that, some of those changes led to like interface changes where the interface had changed so much it would have totally propagated through the entire video. And it was like, you know what, it's my, and a lot of the parameters changed too. So like mass wasn't being handled the same and stuff like that. So it was just necessary to kind of go through. But in going through it, I, um, found like a couple opportunities to actually split these videos apart and take a deeper dive into, um, the, you know, working with cloth and just adding like an extra lesson in there that had a more polished result so that we could kind of get into just, um, higher level working with cloth itself, um, in this example. So kind of controlling it with a custom target and custom forces to suspend it in air and get it to twist around and do all sorts of abstract kind of floaty stuff like you were seeing there. But so, yeah, that was kind of, kind of cool to go through and, um, um, get through the Velm chapter. Once I got through the Velm chapter, I was like, okay, we're, we're on, we're in the home stretch now. Like the rendering chapter and the Velm chapter were like the most major changes. I feel like. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, it is in like the vellum chapter itself is enough to probably be its own course worth of information. I think a lot of the right. cool things that people think of when they do Houdini are things that are occurring in vellum. So soft bodies, mm-hmm. wires, hairs, grains, um, and cloth. They're, they're all sort of hand in hand, very cool mography stuff you can do in there. And we just kind of cover all those bases, um, the best we can, you know, without getting too long winded about it. <laughs> Hey, this is Dave. I just wanted to stop for a moment and thank our sponsor, Otoy, the creators of Render Network and, of course, Octane. But I don't have to tell you that. You know who they are. You see the results of their render engine all over the interwebs. And we're very grateful that they're supporting what we're doing at MoGraph.com, from this podcast to MoGraph TV to events like local meetups and Camp MoGraph and all our community building efforts. We can't wait to show you what's in store, all thanks to their support. Go check them out at Otoy.com. Now back to the madness. It's so extensive. And, you know, I edited the first version of this course and just sitting in front of it, like I was saying, I'm going to go like, just sitting in front of it. I kind of osmosed so much stuff from you in, in just my general understanding. And as somebody who probably will never get to any level of like real super understanding on this, like as far as like digging deep down into code or vex or or whatever i i feel like i have enough understanding that if if i was working on a project with say like an art director or somebody on something uh or if i was art directing somebody else and we needed something that was houdini i would understand the workflow enough you know and so that's what i what i like about it and um is that it's it's you talking about the basics that I feel is is really um, important because like we were talking before the show, a lot of people and you know if you want to do it this way it's fine. A lot of people want to dive right into those pretty looking sims and they want to get to the, the the fun stuff. And you even have it labeled in there, right? The uh, uh, section two, isn't it called the fun stuff? Part two. The yeah, fun the stuff. cool stuff or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And uh, yeah, it's there. It's there. But the way that you explain some of the basics about getting around you can check it out actually if you if you want to get uh, some free lessons there there are some free lessons on mograph.com uh, on our YouTube channel if you go specifically to the stop being afraid of Houdini page you can uh, check out some of these full-length samples either there's one where you kind of go through the interface and you kind of do a round trip and there's another one uh, and we do have the outtakes as well also a sample of what one of your advanced lessons is like, but what I, what I would say is do the, your first Houdini project and, and check out the way that Mark explains it because it's, it's one of those things where like IRL, if I was like going to hang out with a buddy and be like, Hey, can you kind of show me around Houdini or something? This is what, this is what it would be because just like when I, you know, I'm familiar with cinema 4d. If I hop into something else like this or Ableton or, or another piece of software, I wish that I had somebody sitting right next to me and I'd be like, God, where's this button? Can you just tell me where that button is? I just need to do this thing. And instead of Googling it and finding a YouTube tutorial, or whatever, you know, you can just ask your buddy, Hey, what do I, what do I press? What do I press now? You know, I feel like you kind of get that when you are watching the, especially the intro videos to this so it's something where you have to have some patience and be like this is not the fun cool flashy looking stuff but it is so so important because once you get to the flashy stuff you're referencing some of the basics and fundamentals that you talked about at the beginning so it's hard it's hard not to go to that stuff yeah, it is. It's like, I, and I think that's kind of one of the challenges with coming up with, with the content for the first part of this course is like, I'm not going to, I know that I know how it was for me when I was learning Houdini and I, it was, you're in the deep end pretty much was the only option. Um, you know, you're going in there and there's a certain amount that you're, you know, required to know to do most of the cool tutorials out there. And I think like what I tried to do is distill out those things that I really wish I knew before I started doing any of the crazy stuff, you know, just like knowing what an object merge is, knowing what, Mm -hmm. um, knowing what your different contexts are, knowing what a relative reference is. Those are all like big words. And if someone, but people are casually spitting words like that all the time in tutorials. And it's like, if you don't know like what the basic terminology is, if we don't have a language that we all can agree on, you know, at the outset, then what good is it going to do for you to just regurgitate some content that I'm spewing at you? So I really wanted to have that foundation there. It was really important to me to have that so that, people could get the value out of the second half of the course that they were probably buying the course for in the first place. Right. Um, anything else? There's, there's, uh, the abstract, the pyro and pop advect part three with octane. That's new. Uh, yeah, we had all the, all the lessons that have like, uh, like, you know, fancy renderings in them. I do go over a basic version of how to set that up. So there's a portion of the course that uh, if in chapter six, we really cover how to, um, go back and forth between Houdini and Cinema 4D. So it's getting stuff out of Houdini and getting it back into Cinema 4D. Mm -hmm. And part of the workflow of getting stuff out of Houdini and back into Cinema 4D is knowing what render engine you're working with. Right. So especially when it comes to particles, particles, my workflow in Redshift or in Redshift is heavily dependent on Redshift proxies. And so right. in chapter six, it was really important for me to kind of solidify a, a particle workflow for Octane when you're bringing particles from uh, 
from Houdini into Cinema 40. So I kind of go over some various methods um, there. And then those all these principles about how to get stuff out of Houdini and back into Cinema 40 are touched upon on all the major example projects in the rest of the lesson. So because Octane is such a large uh, because Octane and Redshift and, and sort of getting the basic rendering setup is such a large part, portion of that, we added Octane content to all of those um, lessons as well. So, and I know that like there. Redshift proxies actually make it pretty easy to do these particles, right? At, what is, yeah, what is Octane like when it comes to that? What's the equivalent? It's not a proxy. It would be so like what a, is it? In, in Orbix file, it's like really similar to a proxy. So you okay. can. Um, you can kick out a bunch of particles inside of an Orbix and get them in there. And also we go over how to do it using Alembics as well. So the two main ways would be like get your particles out using Alembic and get them out using Orbix files and kind of touch on the strengths and weaknesses of doing it that way. Obviously, you know, Redsh between Redshift, Octane, and um, Octane, Orbix, and Alembic, there are all sorts of different strengths and weaknesses, and we get to kind of see what all of those are in um, these in this particle section. And um, again, I wanted to stress, like, you, you go through this round-trip workflow, but if you don't have Cinema 4D, it doesn't mean you can't take this course. I think that's a, that's a big thing to know, because what you're doing is you're, for the most part, you're doing, like, Alembic, Alembic round trips, right? So mm -hmm. you could do that with another piece of software that does Alembic. Yeah, Mind or you could just or... render it straight out of Houdini. You know, right. so like if if you wanted to, you could just stop the lesson where we start kicking things out of Houdini and just start um, rendering straight up there. We we have a rendering section in earlier on in the course so that you can you know render these things if you want. And I think it depends on the engine, but like if you're using something that kind of has the same interface in every program. Uh, like, doesn't Redshift, for the most part, kind of look the same, you know, in different pieces of software? Uh, yeah, you know, it's just it's, spread out a little bit differently yeah. um, in Houdini. And so it takes a little bit to just kind of know where to find the thing is. But once mm -hmm. you get there, you're like, oh, this is the oh, this is the tab where I go to set the global illumination or whatever. And Octane is really similar Um too in a lot of ways, I think. I'm not as experienced with Octane in Cinema 4D mm -hmm. um, as I as I am with uh, Redshift, but I do know that um, when learning Octane to do the updates to this course, I was pretty comfortable pretty quickly going between the two pieces of software and kind of figuring out what I was doing there. Yeah. So. Uh, anything new in like the flip fluid section or? like some of the advanced topics. I don't know. You didn't really change any of the VEX stuff for now. That's, that's for another, <laughs> that's yeah. for another whole course probably. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fluid stuff, I think I redid one of the lessons in fluids just to make it um, more straightforward. And also because like the way surface tensions handled, it changed as well. It's like, you know, one of the under, one of the hidden forces inside of the flip solver just behaves a little bit differently. So mm. that one was kind of worth going through, um, a little bit more um, in detail. So you also had did like a 11 minute like TLDR version of the previous lesson. Yeah. In case you yeah, want to. Yeah, because 
<laughs> yeah, because of course th- that lesson to do the liquid morph is like mostly me tweaking and upresing and getting the sim to be like final, final quality. And some people I felt like might just be like, I don't have an hour and a half to kind of deal with all of this right. tweaking of parameters. I just want to know how to do this morph like in the most basic sense. So I did a right. very, very quick setup and then we got, dive in deeper after that. Yeah. I'm looking at the, uh, you got some voxels, you got the liquid. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's definitely not as detailed looking, but yeah. Yeah, it's like the most basic version of the setup. It's like if you hit the shelf presets and just like threw down the very minimal amount of information to get liquid particles to move from one position to another and you're set. If that's all you need, then that's the lesson for you. If you want to go full on into the the full on morph, you can do that too. Yeah. Um I I I had a, a question that came in uh to the show last week and um I I read it on the show but I also promised that I would read it on this show because I feel like it's it's something that you would probably have something good to say. Uh, let's see. I'm looking for the old one. Just give me one second. The old episode. I have my, uh, my podcast archive here. And, uh, last week was, what was that? There we go. Um, this is from Graham and it says, my question is, is C4D the best way uh, here okay we won't really talk about this and specifically but this is what brought it up the question is uh is c4d the best way to get hair onto a fracture object using the outside faces that was kind of the question right which in cinema 4d that would be i think kind of difficult to do without like baking the geometry or something and so that led to the whole thing about houdini because there's probably a way to do that in houdini procedurally uh so the question was at what point do you start using Houdini rather than C4D? And I don't think it's like one or the other. I think it's you use the right tool for the job. But personally, he says, personally, I think this would be much easier in Houdini, the faces thing. I guess there's an upfront cost of learning Houdini. I guess it could be an interesting question for, say, Mark. At what point did you feel like Houdini was the right tool? Yeah, I think, you know, for me... Um, I'd spent a decent amount of time, you know, fiddling around in Houdini before I was really like, uh, ready to use it on a job. So I'd say I was learning it after hours, like after work, you know, at my old job, kind of just in my free time, kind of just, um, experimenting, you know, making little renders or just more or less building setups and getting used to nodes and stuff like that. And then eventually there was a project I had where I had to make some for, um, these cables that are for a, uh, like a crane system. Mm-hmm. These, these cables are packed with various thicknesses and they all kind of coil around together. And I'm like sitting there in Maya, cause I actually came from Maya mm-hmm. originally. Um, now I'm a C4D Houdini user, but I originally started in Maya. I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this in Maya, but having been using Houdini for several months at that point, I was like, okay, I, let me just see. If, let me just let me just look at Houdini and see if it can do this thing. And then it clicked. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is it. I'm using Houdini on a job now. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, it like I just it it like something clicked inside of my head where I was, you know, 
suddenly felt like, oh, no, this is absolutely the answer for this job. Um, so I think that you have to get comfortable with it. I don't know, like, Alex, what, what do you where do you feel like your threshold was crossed when you were like, I'm ready now? You're on a job and you're like, this is perfect for Houdini, this aspect of, it, you know. Oh, I, I don't know. It was, it was just like, um, I mean, the, the more that I just kind of kept playing around with it, I, I feel like I became more comfortable with just how the entire system functioned. And I found that it spoke kind of more to me in thought process. Like, I, I feel like in Houdini, just things, I think because maybe the way that I tend to look at projects or think about projects, the way that the Houdini's whole like procedural workflow, I was just like, this just makes a lot more sense to me because I can actually like kind of tell it what I want it to do. Um, and obviously like when, when you get to like simulation stuff, like I, I think I was with um, laundry last year. That was like the first time I ever did anything client wise with Houdini. And it was just like, we were, uh, we were actually doing a pitch for some like fluids and stuff. And I was like, well, I mean, I've been, been doing Houdini for a second. Like I'm, I'm just gonna, just gonna try it and just kind of, kind of see what happens. Um, and it, luckily it worked out i was i was definitely still like kind of figuring it out along the way as you do um but it's still kind of like i i knew enough to get me to the end result that i wanted to show the client basically right yeah let's see somebody somebody like me i'm 40 i'm irrelevant now uh so <laughs> i know my way around c4 d and octane very well i can jump in i'm past that threshold uh, I was talking about this with Matt on the show and I kind of feel this way about Ableton right now as well past the threshold of saying where is the button to do the thing you know where I need the guy next to me to answer a question where I have to ask Tokyo Megaplex hey how do you do this thing in, in Ableton <laughs> I feel like I'm past the interface to where I can actually concentrate on attempting to make music but um that's how I feel in Cinema 4D, but I don't feel like at this point in my life in particular, I'm going to really dive into Houdini. I may mess around with it. I may do one thing here and there, but I think that can be um, kind of a, a good question to ask yourself. Like if you're very comfortable in C4D and you're just busting out stuff, it's like, okay, what are you going to be doing in 10 years? And nobody really knows the answer to that, I guess, but it, it for me, I don't think that I'm going to be um I don't think that I'm gonna be the type of person that's sitting there cranking out Houdini level animation in the next ten years. Therefore I don't feel like that that's the path for me. So I'm much more comfortable saying I'm trying to do this thing, I've got everything working in cinema, but hey, I'm gonna hop on and I'm gonna find somebody like Mark or Alex to be like, Hey, I need to do this thing. C4D, I could do it technically, but I want it to be procedural. Can you do this for me and and set it up? Even if it's something where maybe I know Houdini well enough to, if I have the nodes and everything set up, I could tweak it a little. You know, it. the question really is like, at what point is it not a good idea, I guess, to learn Houdini? Because maybe your goal is to become an art director in five or ten years and be um, or be a manager or run a company. It's like, do you need to know every little bit or can you do like me and kind of osmos bits and pieces of it to be dangerous and drive, you know, all the um, all the other graphic artists nuts because you don't really know what you're talking about? <laughs> No, I, de I definitely think there is like a art to knowing when to delegate something. 
and when it is your thing like i think i got into houdini because i originally wanted to do movies and then i like i wanted to do like transformers or something you know like I, i wanted to do like hollywood effects type stuff and explosions and whatnot and then found the motion design part of it and just like really latched onto it and felt more like it was something I could be a part of and that this part of me could be a part of motion design. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that, that really is like where I identify, you know, in terms of my skill set is like working with sort of effects driven motion design work. And so if that is, yeah, and there's multiple ways to do that. You can do that in X particles. You can do that in C40. It's it's really about what it, it's not. It's not necessarily what the best tool for the job is. It's what's the best tool for you for the job. I think someone said that. I don't know if it mm-hmm. was Sage or someone said that to me at one point. It's yeah. it's stuck because it isn't. It's it's everyone's journey is different, and you know. It, it it is. It's good. It's good. When you're younger, it's good. You explore. You try a bunch of different things, and you start to eventually narrow in on the thing that really gets you going. And um, it's different for everyone, you know. Right. Totally. Yeah. I was gonna say like I I feel like a, a big part of like why I started kind of gravitating towards Houdini was also like I was looking at kind of like what you're saying, Dave. Like where do I want to end up? Who are these artists that I'm looking up to? And like the, what is the type of art that they do? What, what is the type of art I want to eventually be able to do? And I realized like I was following, you know, people like Mark, people like Adam Swab, like people who are these just like, this is just like Houdini masters and like geniuses. And like, I, I want to be able to create that. And I was essentially kind of getting bottlenecked with like doing it, trying to do it in cinema or in X particles. And I think, again, this kind of goes back to the whole mindset thing. Like I was just telling a friend the other day, like, one thing that like always trips me up in X particles, it's like it's a stupid small thing, but it's just like having the particles shrink down over age. Like it's, for some reason, the way that it's like set up in X particles is just not as like yeah. clear cut to me. But then in Houdini, like you just tell it like uh, it's just over an age, like have it you know shrink down. And it's like duh, yeah, that that makes sense. Like I, I'm writing it out, I can read what I'm telling it to do, and it's gonna execute A to B. Right. Mm. And like. Mark, you work at Already Been Chewed, and uh, Barton is he's he he gets in there, he gets down and dirty with the project files and things. But I imagine he's going into Cinema 4D when he's doing these things. He's not opening up your projects in Houdini and tweaking them, is he? No, like I do. There is a part of me that thinks that everybody should at least be able to light and render in Houdini. Mm-hmm. But that's a discussion for another day. I do <laughs> yeah. think I, I, I do think that ultimately it's a huge time saver. If the more software everybody knows, like the more you know interconnected things can be. I, the reason why the course itself is so heavily um, based on the C4D Houdini workflow is because that's like what I do at work because right. I need to delegate. I can't be the one finishing every single Houdini shot. I need to get my Sims. I need to get my cloth or whatever I'm working on. I need to get it out. I needed to get it to one of our look dev people and they're going to take it to the next level. And I'm going back to Sims. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cause like lighting isn't lighting and rendering is sort of second nature to me. Or it's not second. What is the term? Not, it's not not it, second nature. Yeah, it's yeah, not second yeah, it's, nature. But also, you don't really effort. necessarily need to know that to do a cloth sim because you're handing it over to somebody who just needs the alembic, and then they're going to make it look pretty, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like, I'll do my like, you know, I'll do sort of like basic 
like looked at like some basic lighting in Houdini just to make sure things are like looking like they're going to get there. And then I'll start with the C40 workflow and getting C40 out. There's, you know, 10 other artists who could take a stab at making it look even better. Um, and I can stay focused in Houdini because really when you get into, into a small studio like scenario, it's good to have some people really kind of focus and specialize. Obviously we want to generalize a little bit. We, we need to do a little bit of everything everybody does, but um, it's, always like more efficient if i'm staying in the houdini mindset and not trying to totally like change gears to camera animation or something like that you know um that's so, why everybody had already been shooted as a copy of your course so they yeah. can at least get get their feet wet right yeah yeah and so everybody's kind of we're kind of dabbling around in that stuff and trying to find good ways to do it there's a few people there who um know it now we've got another um guy on board uh nick mm-hmm. who we have hired and he's just He's just awesome. He's having such he's having such a blast. I think he's it looks like he's having fun. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I think he's he's having a blast. He's really good in it. Um really great at like kind of just jamming on stuff and we just bounce ideas back and forth, kind of help each other out. It's been really co- cool to kind of expand that part of our department, but also with that we have to maintain that relationship with the other artists where we're we're all like able to have the assets where we need them so we can work the best way that we can. So like getting those assets into C40 is an extra step, but it's super handy for our studio to be able to do that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. And plus we have more C40 licenses than we do Houdini licenses, <laughs> so we have more render power. So that's another, <laughs> another one. Another one. Awesome. <laughs> um, so Alex, let's let's talk about mm-hmm. your background. Actually, then we'll talk about uh, your experience with the course. Um, while we're while we're chatting here, I'll I'll bring up your your reel. Um, cool. So tell us about what you do first of all in general. Uh, you know your your job. Are you contractor or do you work for somebody? Uh, so I'm a freelance motion designer, 3D artist, um, based out here in LA. Um, I've been in LA for, well, I guess like three, three and a half years now. Um, basically been freelancing the entire time I've been out here. Um, I basically moved out here to switch into motion. Um, I was doing, I was teaching and performing music the entire time kind of before that. Um, but I started dabbling in motion stuff about probably five or six years ago um i worked for a drumstick company in nashville and mm-hmm. they um i told them hey i've taken one photoshop class in uh in high school and so they go oh and you're also the youngest person oh you're cool. the graphic you're gonna start doing now. all of our yeah yeah you're gonna do our design you're gonna do our media you're gonna do like everything that is like of course this like younger generation kind of a tech. Yeah. Um, oh, you know Photoshop. So kinda... I have this website I need programmed. That's, that's <laughs> right, 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 goes, right. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly that. Um, but yeah, so I mean that that kind of opened me up to this this world of like motion graphics. Um, I kind of just got like super super deep into it, just getting kind of obsessed. Like, oh, I love doing 3D stuff. Like, this is so rad. You can uh, all these particle simulations, liquid simulations, whatever. Um, so I just kind of kept, kept kind of diving. Um, and then eventually, like I was saying, I kind of just found my, my little bottleneck and then, yeah, there it is. Yeah, no longer afraid <laughs> of Houdini. Up top on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, did the you name take a little uh, bit. REF's course as well? Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Did it for the, the winter, winter semester. Yeah. Nice. Are you in the NFT group? The get, NF- get, get NFT? NFT? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm in there. Because I'm, I, yeah. I, I know I've seen you in multiple places. I just can never remember, <laughs> you know. And then there's that oh, whole thing where there's so like a groups. lot of people. There's like, there. I don't know what the, the thing about the universe is, but there's a lot of people that have the same name in this industry. And I cannot figure out, like, there's a lot of Alex's. There's um, a lot of Pascal's. There's a lot of, oh, what's the other? Uh, Florian's in the industry. I, it's really weird. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't get all the Alex's right. Like, which Alex is which? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I have seen you around. So, do you, you have NFTs out as well? Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got some NFTs out on uh, Foundation, and I've got uh, a collection that I dropped uh, about uh, like a month ago on no- Known Origin. Um, those are kind of the, the two sides I've been been minting on this over this kind of time period. It looks like you did the X Particles Challenge here too. Yeah, so so this was like I, I think like one of the last projects that I basically did in X Particles before I was just like, all right, I I need <laughs> I need something something a little, little bit more robust there. Um, yeah, like Mark Mark's class, honestly, like came at the perfect time like obviously like 2020 has been you know it was a weird year for for everybody um but like for me it was it came at a very beneficial time in the sense that like hey you can't go anywhere right you might as well like learn a program you know because like obviously i'm like still learning the program and it's like houdini you're not going to master that in a year but i definitely feel like i got way further with the program than if it was just like a, a regular time period where I'm just like, all right, I'm going to, you know, do a little bit here and there after work on the weekends or whatever. But now I'm just like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to go anywhere on the weekend. So I'm just going to jam through yeah. all these classes and just kind of wrap my head around all Might of it. Might as well. And I, totally. I think it's kind of funny because we can also almost see where the, the, the consciousness of the MoGraph community is going at certain times, because you can base it on an uptick in sales of this course. <laughs> Um, like when COVID <laughs> happened, all of a sudden there was this uptick and I'm like, I guess everybody's like, well, I'm stuck inside time to learn Houdini. And then mm-hmm. the same thing happened right when NFTs got big, all of a sudden it was like, everybody wants to learn Houdini to make like the best NFTs. It was, it's so weird. <laughs> it's like, you can tell what people are thinking by that, you know, totally. Um, totally. a lot of people are trying to stop being afraid of Houdini. Um, yeah. So, so tell us about. The process. So, so you knew a little bit. Like, like, what was what would you say at your skill level was when like going into the course as opposed to finishing the course? How did you feel in terms of like using using Houdini? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the program that I had installed on my computer forever that I would open up and literally just close. hit close yeah. as, as soon as it opened because it was one of those where just like. I think because one, we're also used to that. The cinema, the cinema, like UI is to me very inviting. Um, like, cause like I, I remember the, the very first program, 3d program I ever opened was blender. And this was not the blender we know today yeah. where it was like, you open it up and there are a million windows thrown at you. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of that same vibe where like I opened Houdini and it's, it's just got like a more technical kind of looking feel to it. And you open it up and like, I don't know programming. I don't know like computer science stuff. Like this is this this is, I can't I can't do this. I'm just like I'll just like panic and I'll just like close it. Um, That's how I felt. But I, I had like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that was me from 2011 to 2014 w- with Houdini. Was like yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. I tried. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. It's like you you get as far as like having that icon on your your uh, your taskbar 
and that's like that's it that's it no no further than that it's just to impress um, people yeah, yeah yeah exactly they, if they come over and be like check it out i got that houdini icon down there that's right. <laughs> um but yeah so like i was like just kind of i would try to i guess learn houdini by osmosis where i would just kind of constantly play different houdini tutorials but that was more i think i was trying to understand the thought process and like totally. ideology kind of behind and that, houdini. Work. that and does I, work i you know so, i admit yeah totally um but then again like be, like what was so powerful with mark's class for me was because because it was geared towards cinema 4d users um like one thing that i've talked to actually multiple people about is like what's awesome is mark's kind of constant references into what something is in houdini and what it is in cinema because now we have like an a to b correlation and it's not just like here's this button that does this function and that's what it is but now it's like oh well if i was to say think about this in cinema terms like that's the tool i would need and now i know what it is in houdini so now i can like more easily relate those functions and kind of relate the operations that i need to make happen yeah so that that's that was like super powerful to me um and it's like definitely like um as we were like chatting kind of but before the the we went live like a lot of it is also just kind of accepting that houdini it's a different program it's a different yeah. beast and i i think like that was one of the big hurdles for me to kind of go get over first where it's just like well i can't go into this expecting that things are gonna uh, like operate and move and just be the exact same way as cinema because like well if it did then why would i jump like change programs you know, like I might as well just say in cinema, if, I, if all I'm looking for is just another cinema copy. Um, but I think after kind of like coming to terms and just be like, well, I'm just going to have to basically learn this as it's like it's an entire new skill set. And I'll just accept that for what it is. And that like uh, just like bringing down that barrier allowed myself to just really kind of hone in and just be like, OK, this this is how this program works. I just got to got to start from the, the bottom up. And then, you know, that'll that'll eventually get me there. And that's like part of the reason why I think like how the course is structured is awesome. Um, like you've got the fundamental stuff at the beginning. And obviously, like I think most people, uh, you know, they look at Houdini stuff. They're obviously gonna be like simulations. Let me yeah. let me do simulations. I don't, I don't want to learn any of these like basic things. Instagram. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, how do I get that like sexy looking simulation just instantly? But, you know, with I, I think with really with any program it is extremely beneficial to go through these like super basic things. Cause it's also like, you never know when you might pick up like a new hotkey, a new trick or whatever totally in hotkeys or learning these basics. Yeah. yeah. And like that for, I think in Houdini, like it's just like, I, I, I preach this to, I preach this to a lot of people this week where I'm like, once you get used to the node system in Houdini and how it flows and the hotkeys and the operations, you will hate, doing nodes and i think a lot of other programs like half the time if i'm in redshift in cinema i'm like why do i keep missing this node i can't i can't plug this in i keep missing this node <laughs> and and houdini is just like well yeah it's, it's this the nodes just feel they feel a lot more like optimized for that type of workflow um and i can it's so hard for me to now live with like without having um shake to release or even like why yeah. to cut like the, both of those hotkeys are just ugh, saved my life so many times. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they've done so much to make, and, and even still, when I was trying to learn it 10 years ago, and it was impossible, like, their interface has come so far to be, like, the, I mean, the way that the Node Editor works now is compared to what it used to, it's just, they're always trying to make it more solid and more artist-friendly, and um, they're, they're, they're really doing, they're reaching out, they, they you know, the, the side effects just talk to me about, like, you know, that's what they want. They want to make the software more accessible. It's notoriously, you know, its reputation is the most difficult thing ever. And I really think that they're changing that and they're actively putting in a huge amount of effort towards changing that and making it more accessible to people. So it's really cool. Um, I, I, it is really cool. I feel like you get through a couple learning curve things at the beginning and you really start to get the feel of how SOPS works. And then you're mm-hmm. going to start like, moving and like feeling like if you if you feel like you can start setting up you know a cloner or something like that you'll start to like really feel how you can actually build your own pieces of cinema if you don't have them or whatever it's it's and it's cool because the thing is is houdini isn't the only piece of software out there you can use it with other apps you know and and it's really cool because the other thing is like you know with your work um alex we you, you know i noticed that you really, really enjoyed the course. I mean, you had, were posting stuff and tagging me, and I'm like, I, I love when people, when students are posting and tagging awesome work and trying to take the projects and make them their own and discovering things that weren't even intended in the lessons, but just like, you know, experiment, seeing, seeing your experimentation, seeing you start to apply this stuff into, um, like your commercial work. I mean, you, you had, you were doing, um, you know, Axiom Solver stuff with the, F- was it FITC titles you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and like seeing you take this stuff that you had learned from the course and start applying it to, you know, title work and installing other, you know, pyro solvers to accomplish that. I'm like, man, that's really, it's really cool to see someone like take, take the stuff and run with it and really integrate it into their work. It was really kind of an awesome thing to see because prior to this, I didn't, I did a couple tutorials on YouTube and I'd seen people make cool stuff out of it, but really haven't, it's until this course, I hadn't really seen um, people who I'd connected with on the internet actually like taking things that I was doing and or teaching and actually like, mm. you know, integrating it into like a large portion of their career, which it seems like you have and a bunch of other people have. We've taken the course as well. And so it was like really kind of inspiring and motivating for me to want to keep making this course as new and fresh as it can be, um, knowing that it actually is helping people. It's been really kind of a cool thing to see. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like I, you know, like with with the name Stop Being Afraid of Houdini, like I, this course, I think 100% nails that title because that is exactly what it did for me. Like I... I didn't like finish the class and just be like, I'm amazing at Houdini now. Like that's, that doesn't happen, but it's exactly that where like, I now can look at this program and understand that's not nearly as intimidating as I'm making it out to be in my head. If I just take the time to kind of think about things. Um, and I, I'm also realizing that's honestly a lot of, you know, the, the, the kind of Houdini flow is like, if I can explain to myself what I want to happen I can more than likely make it happen in Houdini. I just need to be able to kind of explain the steps to myself so I know how to like write out these functions and whatnot. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, this, this, this class, like, because it kind of broke down that barrier, it then like opened my eyes up to be like, Oh, what are all these like other fun toys that are like out here that like people have created for Houdini, like Axiom or like Mops and stuff like that. 
um, which are just, you know, just like super, super handy tools. And yeah, uh, like I, I loved using Axiom on the FITZ stuff because it's like, I mean, this is a GPU solver. So it's just so much faster than like the vanilla pyro that's inside of Houdini. So it was just like, this is so clutch for me just to like kick out different like versions and like different looks. And because it's inside of Houdini, then it's like, for the most part, things all function the same. I just need to know which attributes Axiom is calling that might be different than like the vanilla pyro. Um, but at the end of the day, like what they are sourcing and what they're needing is basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Did you have like a certain point where you had like your aha moment, almost like, almost like Neo, like I know Kung Fu. Like did that, <laughs> did that happen? Like I knew who needs, do you have a point where you're like, wow, <sighs> I, I feel like I go through that like multiple times a week, honestly, where like it, it's it's like small things where like if like it, it's like a piece of knowledge that like uh, like I've, I've retained and I kind of like pull out like actually. So this week I had a really it's super like stupid and it's like an easy thing, but it was like a funny moment where like I'm I'm doing this this uh, this like uh, kind of hair simulation animation for for a music artist right now and like well, he needed it to, to loop over three seconds. And like, I know, and I remember in Mark's class in like the particle section, he does like touch on like, you know, how he got this, like this, this piece to, to, to loop, to animate. And I was like, well, I could go back to Mark's class to just find that exact moment in time and like copy what he did. But let me, let me think about it. Like yeah. how, how would he have approached it in the class? Like how, how would you have gone about this without like, having someone to give you those like step-by-step guides. And I was like, okay, well, like if I just take like a time, sh- time shift and I do like some like blend shape stuff, like I can make this work and it, and it worked. And I saw and a TikTok granted, today was, about, uh, there's, I don't know if it's a plugin or something for Houdini that makes loops automatically. For yeah. You. Uh, Paul, uh, I forget his last name. He posted a, uh, uh, he does like the, like the Houdini, like quick tips yep. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it. uh, the, the side effects like labs, tools that they've been making um a lot of them are kind of like actually suited for like gaming stuff like there's a lot of uh stuff in there that's for like um outputting to unreal like there is like a like a niagara node for you to like directly output houdini particles into the niagara system in unreal and you can call like you can you can retain all the attributes like cd p scale all that stuff um Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it's a part of the yeah, side, yeah, yeah. I can't. It's a part find of the side it, effects but... labs tools. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, I think yeah, it was Paul Espes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah but it's, it's yeah. just like, yeah, and and the node is just like called Make Loop. So it's funny you say that because after I, I saw it, I was like, I totally forgot that this yeah. node existed, and I, I went back in, I just like plugged it in, I was like, well, yeah, I could have I could have gotten there obviously a lot mm-hmm. faster with this now, but I'm like, I'm still so proud of myself for being able to be like, well, if, if that node didn't exist, yeah, I'm absolutely. still able to, to make it work, you know? Yeah. And like before this course, I probably would have just been like, all right, hit the close button. We'll, we'll go, or, come back or in go a few into years. after effects and get real creative with the, <laughs> yeah. with the transparency. Yeah. Get to get it just right. Yeah. Or yeah, there's it's like the perfect yeah. example where there's a plugin that exists. You didn't know it existed. You made your own plugin to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. If you know the fundamentals of how Houdini works, you can kind of get under there and do 
those build that functionality that you don't already have. Right. And then a lot of times SideFX Labs has the tool for it because SideFX Labs is awesome. I was like <laughs> amazed at what I'm seeing. I'm like, oh, before I go and build this big fancy thing, I'm going to just check SideFX Labs real quick and make sure they don't they didn't already do it <laughs> you know right right yeah. right and and there's all those like uh, other like free kind of tool sets that are out there like the what is it like qlib um mm-hmm. and then yeah obviously like mops like the, the the baseline version of mops is completely free now they have like mops plus that you can sign up for and that works in like dops and all that um and i, I think like mops is an also like an awesome tool for people coming from the cinema side to like use just because it's basically pulling like the mograph effectors um, mm-hmm. and having those like functionalities inside of Houdini. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it, and it is set up somewhat similarly, but it's like in a, in a, I think for a lot of cinema users, it's a lot more like digestible of a way to approach. Cause it is like you don't necessarily need to know a lot of the like under the hood stuff. Um, it's good to have that knowledge, but you don't necessarily need to in order to get something to work with mobs. Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send 3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro-budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. GoGorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the GoGorilla Filmcast. Your Your source source for all things indie film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. You know, TikTok gets a bad rep or whatever. People who don't understand it, you know just kind of rag on it or whatever. But I'm telling you, I've learned more about Apleton sitting on the toilet. And and it's so, like, in these little, you know, minute segments, like, th- you should do this with your EQ. You should do that with your EQ. Oh, I'm going to save that to my phone, you know, and then go back. And what was that plugin that they were talking about that's free, that's really good? Oh, Valhalla. Okay, I'll check out Valhalla. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm starting to learn all these things. I'm like, I got to do this for Cinema 4D. And just like, you know, Paul is doing doing that with Houdini. Um, I, I would like to say that MoGraph.com does have a TikTok if you'd like to check it out and see Dorpy's adventures and uh, some other things that you don't get in other places. We do have like, uh, I just started doing the quick tips. But again, it comes back to like, you know, you're talking about those shortcuts that you learn. I did this one on the seven key in cinema 4d and oh my gosh like so many people were like mind blown and i my mind was blown the first time i heard about it i think maybe chris schmidt told me about it but doing um you know tiktok you know will be good for that uh but also doing the course and going to the basics and not skipping forward to those particle things you're gonna pick up those little things like the shortcuts like is it H? What does the H key do in, in Houdini? Was it it like frames everything. Homes. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Um, I did not know 
how to do that until I was editing your course and I heard you talking about it and framing it up. And I'm like, okay. So the next time I had Houdini open and I was trying to go through some sort of project or something that was a big mess, I was like, oh yeah, H, H, I got to remember H. So there's all these little things. And um, there's something else I was going to say too, and I forgot what it was. Oh, um, shoot. It'll it'll come to me here in a second, but um, I don't remember. Completely lost it. I'll think of it in a second. But um, what are you working on right now uh, that you might be that you might be able to talk about or not talk about? I don't know. But um, that maybe you're working in Houdini right now that uh, you feel like um, you're taking some of that stuff that you learned and. Are you doing it in your NFTs? Are you, are you uh, working for a client on anything right now? Like, what what are you currently mm-hmm. working on? So the uh, I guess the the last like collection of NFTs that I dropped on Known Origin are kind of they were kind of like stemmed out from the like FITC exp- exploration and also like furthering the whole like uh, Axiom Pyro Solver. It's basically just kind of a series of me uh, exploring like meshing different uh different types of pyro simulations um whether i'm driving those with different shapes different velocities um different noises like it's just a a number of different kind of parameters i'm just kind of playing around with and seeing what kind of results i could get um and i also wanted to kind of play with the whole attribute transfers and stuff like that so i had um you know doing like the smoke stuff there's like a couple ways you can kind of approach i guess like coloring the smoke Mm -hmm. um and like before doing any kind of houdini stuff i would just do it in the shader level where you're just kind of basically remapping the density but the thing with that is like you're gonna get like kind of like edging and like fringing as it's like it just doesn't look like smooth um and i had been i think just watching a lot of pieces where they're doing kind of like color infection basically inside of like pyro simulations and i was like well that's super pretty i'd love to play with that um so that's kind of what i played with here was like i i took the you know the the color data from the smoke sim itself and then pass it back onto the um geometry that i meshed on top of the sim um and then yeah every everything else is just like throwing different like vdbs and vdb smoothers and like uh stuff like that on top of it um so that was a super super fun project to to play with and it's like i'm definitely using you know so many kind of tricks that like with vdbs and stuff that that mark teaches about in the course um and that, that's something that's been super powerful and fun to play with inside of houdini is just the vdb workflow um like i i do find that and maybe it's because i'm more familiar with it now but i find that it makes more sense to me than say like cinemas like volume builder and like mesher and stuff and i do think it's a lot faster inside of houdini too to just like get through those functions and whatnot um so that was like the i guess the, the latest thing I, I i released and then now i've been kind of um dabbling in unreal engine a little bit here and there mm-hmm. um and so just kind of like this like personal product i just released the other day yeah on my on my instagram was just kind of you know playing with vellum uh you know the, the thing that everybody loves uh and and just kind of mapping this uh I, I was trying to go for like mapping like a stone texture or just something that looks like it should be like hard and and having it kind of like undulate and fold into this like just this this texture that you don't expect it to happen Except that yeah. it did end up kind of looking more like a tortilla than than, than <laughs> say, say like rocks or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so those those kinds of, like I'm just kind of like I keep just keep going on the Houdini train. I'm actually now doing the uh, uh, not to promote another company, but like Hello Lux just dropped 
that like uh kind of organic growth um course or whatever and like that's been also been awesome too because i'm like okay there's like mark also turned me on to you know the the, the power of vex and also to different resources of where I can learn more about Vex. Because I think, like, after I finished this course, I almost, like, went straight into Joy of Vex just to kind of understand certain, like, base-level things. And, like, now as I'm going through these other courses, I'm also, like, just seeing things from, like, okay, I, I've seen this probably in, like, another tutorial. Like, someone else is like, trying to teach this concept to me or whatever. And, like, now, because of, like, all this practice and, like, going through this course... I see what they're actually trying to teach and like I understand what this thing is that they are trying to get across and it's not again it's not nearly as complicated as I made it out to be it's just because I maybe heard some scary words things like quaternions or whatever but it's like it's it's not that crazy when you're just like I just need I just need the function I don't need to understand the maths that's behind it like right. I I could but I don't I don't want to like hurt myself over that um so like if you just like you just need to know like the functions and then that'll get you from from a to b yeah yeah now i know what i was going to say earlier we were talking about learning the little bits and pieces and uh in when you're watching a tutorial or you're taking a course in my opinion like there's always two ways we we're talking about this before the show there's always two ways to go about it if you want to learn how to do something online in cinema 4d or whatever piece of software you're using you can either f become really good at following tutorials or you could be really you can become really good at like figuring things out and for me uh i do not learn well when it's like hey just go do this thing and type this thing in and um no no uh no bashing on uh on uh, uh ron dalvey or is it ron ron dalvey is that how you pronounce it Ro rohan Ro I rohan dalvey rohan, rohan, yeah. rohan uh and uh and, and or in tagma but when like sometimes i i'll try and do some of those tutorials and it's very it's cut very tight and it's like and he even says in the tutorial he'll be like I figured out that these are the best numbers for this thing. And it's like, if you need to learn how to do like this particular powder explosion, these are the exact settings that you need for whatever it is, your particles, mass, gravity, whatever's in there. Right. And I, I tried to go through something like that a long time ago. And it was like, put 38 in here and then hit this button and then connect this node. And there was no reasoning for it. Why am I connecting this node? And plus, it's so tightly cut that you got to pause every five seconds to go do the thing. I, I'm a better learner when I'm sitting in a more relaxed environment and someone says, now you're going to type in 34 here and here's why you're going to type 34 in here. You know? Um, and those guys are great uh, at, at making that stuff, but it is it is very tight. And my, personally, I, I can't learn like that. I want to know why. And even back, you know, remember I used to make tutorials um, back in the day. I would do the same thing. I would explain. I'm stopping here and I'm doing this thing, and here's why I'm doing this thing. I feel like as a student who's just learning a piece of software, it's so important to know the why. You know, or or else you're just a tutorial follower, and then you're going to get a job somewhere, and someone's going to ask you to do something that there's no tutorial for, and you're going to be in trouble. Hundred percent. Like, I mean, just like talking about like doing this for like a client job. Like, obviously, the client jobs, I'm not going to be able to just <laughs> look at Mark's projects and be like, all right, every every single thing that the client is asking me for is going to exist here. Like, mm -hmm. that's that's just not the case. 
But because of the fundamentals that he's established and just like understand again, understanding how Houdini's attributes work and, and all that jazz, like now I can like, okay, I can implement these like these ideals and the this like thought process that he's basically instilled in me going through this course, and now I can solve my own problems and figure out how do I get this liquid simulation or whatever to do the thing that I want it to do, but it's not gonna just I can't just go flip simulation tutorial <laughs> bottle porn like like yeah. a super specific thing like that's just it's just not going to exist yeah um but yeah it's yeah. super powerful yeah it's about like i think you you get into that problem sort sort of like problem solving mindset like houdini's a problem solving tool and like you get there by like kind of marinating in it <laughs> I, I don't know how to kind of de- describe it but i felt like it it took me a little while of being in it before those aha moments happened and you know earlier we were talking about um like when was your neo like moment mm-hmm. where you're like i know kung fu or whatever and i i i swear i'm still having moments like that like on the weekly where i'm like oh my gosh this is going to be so sick this thing that I just thought of, it's going to work out and I think it'll work out. You know, and then, you, then you go and try and do it and then you realize that you've unlocked like a whole new understanding of something X. Yeah. Something know, buried in there. The older I get, this is how my learning experience goes in this industry. Like 10, 15 years ago, it, w- it was like, let's see if I can do this toward the camera. It was like I was doing this slow curve going up and learning right Mm -hmm. but now at my age and with my experience and everything that i'm um doing now it's 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 a lot different than what i thought i would be doing 10 years ago but i feel like my experience is like this i know this much about cinema 4d and then i work on a project and all of a sudden it's like oh now i know all of this and I, i take this big step up and it's not as often Right. So it's it's kind of like in these giant steps. It's like, okay, I got to sit down and learn how to do X. And all of a sudden it just snaps in. It's not this gradual curve anymore. And I don't know when that change happens, but there will be certain points where I feel like I just upped my game 10 percent. Just Mm -hmm. out of the blue working on this project because I had to figure this thing out. And now I'm, I'm up here. And, you know, and I still have a long way to go, but maybe next time I'll learn a thing and I'll go up here. I don't feel mm-hmm. like it is a, a slow curve anymore. And, and maybe it's just like the harder it gets or more complicated it gets, you know, you go into Houdini or something, it's going to take a while for you to get to that next step, right? You're going to take the whole introduction, the first half of the course probably before you feel like you took a step up. Okay, now you took that step up. Now let's get into the fun particle sims and the dancing characters and the shoes like you do. <laughs> And and then take another step up from there. It's it's um, I don't know what you would call that. Is that a it's not a it's not a square? I guess it's kind of like a square wave. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's like stair stepping almost. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone else yeah. feels like that, or maybe I'm just weird. But no, I think it, I think there is a certain amount that you just gotta you gotta beat it in like beat it into yourself really like when i watch um like steven nipping's tutorials he he does he's an ilm guy who um does these insane he works on star wars and stuff like that and he does destruction sims and he does uh tutorials on and those those are some of the 
tutorials that really like kind of unlocked things for me. So I was like watching these Stephen Nipping tutorials. He's talking about destroying buildings and adding smoke to it and stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I don't know anything that I just watched. And I watched it three more times. And he does go over the fundamentals, but the information is so dense and it's so heavy with information that you're just like, it's kind of overwhelming. Um, you can follow along with it, but then like I would go through it like three more times. A lot of his videos I've watched two or three times, and these are like really heavy videos. And watching it two or three times, just having the determination, and then all of a sudden like you, all of a sudden something just hits. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you're like, whoa, okay, like. I think like something like what you're talking about, Dave. Just you unlock something that it just achievement unlocked. Yeah, it just takes a little bit of extra effort, you know, some yeah, time to yeah. just kind of think about it, you know. Sarah's it's also just like with with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, it's just like with any other like skill. Like I think like you 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 always have to you're practicing and you're always gonna like build on on top of that. It's just like it's it's not gonna happen nearly as quick as we all want it to. Like especially with this whole like kind of instant gratification thing. But like I think that that's something that I I had to kind of tell myself that it's like it's okay to watch a tutorial more than once or, or or like a class more than once like you can watch it i mean like like this like i have it for life so like anytime i want to watch it it's there and like i should be okay with that that sometimes a certain concept or whatever it's just going to take multiple repetitions until it kind of is cemented in my brain and even mm, then like yeah. i probably still have to revisit it in the future if i like haven't done it in a while but it's it's always there yeah that's like yeah. one of the most important things i think about uh learning stuff is for me, a lot of the times I'll just like watch a whole bunch of tutorials. Like I'll do an Intagma Patreon and I'll just like just crush through a bunch of tutorials, a bunch of courses and like, you know, just sort of like absorb the information, it, not necessarily following along. But for me, a lot of the um, a lot of something that's been a good skill for me to have is not necessarily remembering how to do the thing, but remembering where I saw the tutorial of how to do that thing. Right. Then watch as many tutorials as you can. And then when you have to do the thing, you're like, oh yeah, totally. This was that one. Um, yeah, this is this was in a nipping tutorial, or this is in a um, this is on the CG Wiki um, web page. I saw there was a setup for this. You just kind of like absorb as much of it, and then you know where to go to find the exact thing that you need to do the thing that you're trying <laughs> yeah. to do. If you have a photographic 100%. memory, then it's really easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm sometimes I feel like it's a curse. The you know I I know I saw that thing it was sitting right there I see it in my brain and it's not there anymore, um, mm -hmm. and I think Matt talks about this too. It's like you you see, you know you saw that tutorial and you can see it sitting on like LesterBanks.com and you're like okay I, <laughs> I saw it on Lester Banks. You kind of have that record going in the back of your head of knowing which tutorials to hit up. Um, but I I think it's kind of the same analogy. But if you think about it in terms of you're not climbing up a hill a little bit at a time where you could stop and take a rest and then continue forward with some of these things sometimes like you're talking about you got to do it a bunch of times and get that repetition it's almost like scaling a wall you're gonna have to get up to the top of the wall before you can stop and and walk at the top walk around at the top and then go scale the next wall if you don't make it to the top you're gonna go back down to the bottom and you're gonna have to start over next time and I feel like you try and scale the wall like 10 times. And when you finally get up there, that's the aha moment on that one thing. And then, you know, Kung Fu, and then you go to the, the next skill. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the the chat. I'm, I do want to open up the chat. We're getting uh, kind of late here. Gonna gonna start winding down. And I want to open up the chat to uh, any questions. It looks like a lot of people in here know you. A lot of uh, people that I know know you. Probably. I mean, all the inside jokes and everything. Something about carbs <laughs> and bread. And uh, is this from the <laughs> NFT Discord or is it from the Windwish Discord? Where is this coming from? It's, it's just like a, a mix. It, it is like the Windbush Discord and then like a couple other just like motion graphics friends that I've like met yeah. on over Discord online. Uh, I, I do have quite the obsession with uh, with bread. Um, I do very much enjoy eating breads and going to bakeries out here in L.A. Um, so that would be be the jab that they're, they're trying to throw. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they also said they're not used to seeing you with so much light around you. In this space, oh. like, are you usually like in the dark, like me? I yeah, I, and like normally, if we would be like webcaming, it'd probably be like another at least another hour because, like, I mean, here in LA, it's, it's still sunny for the most yeah. part. But yeah, by the time we're usually chatting with each other, I'm probably got like a like a hoodie like jumped over my head with like the like gaming lights all going. It's just like dark in here, like <laughs> usual environment. Ken's is asking, um, are tortillas bread? That's tough. That's a oh. That's like is a hot dog a sandwich? It's really tough. I think I would say no. I don't know. Is 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 that a, is that a uh, like a bread. like a? Mm, I don't know. Does does bread have to like rise? Does it need oh. like yeast in it or something? Ooh, yeah, I think. I think I think you're. I think so. Isn't is no? I, a I literally inside <laughs> tortilla. I mean, we're we're all chefs here, right? Like, yeah, we, yeah. We all. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> Oh, Sarah did say they, they're flatbread. That is, I guess that, a that's a bread, right? Yeah, yeah but like a pita. Pita is puffy. It has like mm. that yeast, that yeast dough. That the, yeast, the, the, the dough, the dough that has that yeast dough. <laughs> yeah. I think we need, uh, we need a chef on this show next time. I know. Yeah, we'll have to figure this out. Um, any any Houdini questions or motion graphics questions or course questions bef- before we go? Is there anything else that y'all want to talk about or cover? Did we forget anything? I don't think so. I I, I think we mostly mostly covered it. It's I'm really just hung up on the the whether bread is a yeast or not. Yeah. It's unleavened, definitely a car unleavened unleavened bread dough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Michelle's right. Where are the Houdini bread sims? Yeah. Okay, there is a mind-blowing like digraph <laughs> thing, and I don't think it's even Houdini. I think this is just straight-up geniuses working in C++ or something, but there is a bread-baking and bread-tearing simulation that is using like a totally new kind of physics engine thing. If you go look up SIGGRAPH bread something or other, your yeah. mind will just be like, it's, it's absolutely stunning. Very cool. It's just like the one, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, but there's that Houdini tutorial, or I don't know if it's a tutorial or if it's just showing off the box, you know, the classic, the box moving, right? And it's just moving. And apparently it's got a real physical working combustion engine inside of it that's powering it. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, that's... Zapco Heck. I actually don't know how to pronounce the name of the person, but it's like X A P O K H E A H, something like that. <laughs> and, and anyway, yeah, th- that person is crazy. They are absolutely insane. They built a um, an assembly like computer 
based out of um, RBDs, like a mechanical pro- computer that you could program in Houdini's interface that was all running off of values that were being determined by gears turning in an RBD simulation inside of a box that was absolutely mind-blowing. Oh it is the most, it's oh. the most insane thing I've ever seen. It's like you watch this. If you go look up, it's the same how to make a cube thing. You go watch the video that they did about how to program in Houdini. And it's like, well, of course, we made this box. And and then he's like entering values into it. And it's it's returning like calculations that he's entering into it. (laughs) And then he opens up the lid of the box. And it's like this gigantic clock full of physical things that are actually I'm like. And then he goes through it. I'm like. I did not know that it was possible <laughs> for someone to be that smart. Like I, it's, it's absolutely insane. insane. It's insane. Yeah, oh, that's nuts. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> it's like with the, some of the stuff you see in Cinema 4D that um, Merck was doing, and I have no idea where he went to. But yeah, it's, you, it, like there are these outliers that are just so into the program that you just can't even comprehend how they're so good at it you know but um mm-hmm. we got some questions jeff is asking about uh what you recommend after taking this course i'm pretty sure jeff finished your course i think or at least has your course and uh i i, th- I think at the end you might mention a few i think one of them was the joy of vex at the end right um, mm-hmm. what would you recommend doing after you're not you're no longer afraid of houdini yeah, I would definitely like watch Antagma stuff. Antagma is like, I mean, the the content is super dense, but I feel like having been through the course, you would have the fundamentals you'd need right. to start digging into an Antagma tutorials. Um, they're they're some of the greatest um, like Houdini tutorials out there. Who um, Stephen Nipping, obviously. Um, yeah, the whole CG Wiki webpage, if you're into the reading format or downloading HIP files and opening them up and exploring those, I would definitely recommend that. Um, well, what I'm if you're not like, HIP? <laughs> well, then you're HIP LC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, do you, I can't think of any other ones right now. I know there's other ones that I'm forgetting though, which is killing there, me. There's a lot of, there's a lot of great ones that'll kind of pop up on, uh, like CG circuit, which is where like applied Houdini is. Um, yeah. but there's like, there's not like a full like series that I've taken on, I think on that, on that website besides Steven's stuff. Um, but there are like little shorter tutorials have kind of popped up that have, that have like piqued my interest there. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like most people who, who also like either go through the course or whatever, and then they ask me like, what's the next step? I kind of say the same thing as Mark, where it's like, you go to Intagma or you go to Applied Houdini. Um, just cause like I, after taking a lot of these courses, I feel like they do the best job to kind of, again, like explain these concepts. Um, and, and in a pretty clear and concise way, whereas some of the other tutorials watch maybe get like kind of lost in the weeds. A little bit um and i've noticed that like side effects has been putting out their their own kind of tutorial series and i've watched through a couple of those so there's some there's some pretty cool stuff just on side effects like their their home page and their own website like they have they have a bunch of stuff that's you know just sections of on rbd sections on vellum sections on whatever part of houdini you want to get into and they also have like even like specific like unreal pipeline stuff which mm-hmm. is super awesome to kind of see on there yeah. Oh, also in the chat, um, Rich Nasworthy's course on yeah. Hello Lux. I grabbed yes. a copy of that. I started going through it. It is awesome. Is I it, cannot so wait to is it keep new, going. Is, yeah. is this a new one? Is it out or is this an older one? It, ju- it just dropped. Oh, it is out. Uh, like last week? 
probably Monday. Was it this week? Or I, this week? Yeah. yeah. It was like one of those like I, I'm gonna pick this up even right. like even if I don't know what I'm gonna learn out of this. It just looks super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what, yeah, yeah what is it about? Because I I know um, well Rich Nosworthy took your course and finished it. Had some mm-hmm. really great things to say about it. Um, he was already kind of in Houdini before that, but uh, what what did uh, what what is his course on? Because I just saw the teaser. I never saw what it was actually about. Oh, it's it. I, I mean, I haven't been I haven't gotten that far into it, but from what I can tell by like looking over the syllabus, it's about like um, using Kinefex and like redshift instancing to create some really like realistic um, kind of plant growths in like like um scattering it in a way that makes it feel very abundant and very rich um yeah yeah you, I'm, I'm about like very rich. Uh, maybe like a <laughs> yeah, probably like a like a third through through the class or so maybe a half um but yeah it, it's basically what like mark's saying but then he also he does dive into vex a bit um but again it's, it's like one of those where he he's basically he's doing the whole um where he's talking about quaternions and like matrices and basically like telling you or showing you how you can like align an object to uh like in in this instance a piece a piece of wood like a photo scan piece of wood um and he's teaching you how to write these out in code um but then also he's again he's explaining these like fundamentals to you like the, the lesson i just finished watching was just like this like 15 minute lesson talking about matrices and just like talking about like well, conceptually, what is this thing? Why do you need to understand it? And like, why does it do the thing you want it to do? Um, and like, it, it's it's been one of the, so like his classes for sure been one of those like I'm having a lot of those like kind of clicking moments. And partially it could be just because my experience is growing with Houdini, but like it's at the same line, it's like, well now these like terminologies that he's like throwing out, I'm like, oh I I know what that is, and I can like I can read back this like node flow, even though I'm like following his tutorial right now but i can like at least read this node flow and just be like okay this is what this is functioning this is what this is doing and this is what this is doing and i'm like that to me is already a massive achievement and and i'm not just like blindly typing lines of code and just like well this is this is this is doing something but now i'm like cool this i can explain to someone else this is what this node is doing and this is why yeah yeah Uh, super awesome course rich had some great things to say said some people asking about stop being afraid of houdini by Mark and MoGraph.com. If you're new to Houdini and want to learn, this is hands down amazing. I wish I had this at the start. Of course, you'll probably need to watch it a few times to let it sink in. There's a lot it covers. I've been using Houdini for a few years, but even so, for me, it was worthwhile. A lot was going over things I learned, but there's also a lot of small things I'd missed from learning the uh, scattered tutorials. It's aimed at beginners, but there's a lot of intermediate stuff, too. It may not be for more advanced users, but for me, it was a perfect guide, focusing lots on useful day-to-day concepts, workflow tips, and great revision of things I've forgotten. Uh, if Steve Nipping applied Houdini, did a beginner's course. Is that, am I saying that right, Steve Nipping? Didn't you talk about him earlier or no? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Did a beginner's course. I think it would probably be like this. All in all, top-quality course with great instruction and would recommend 100%. Hope Mark does a volume two. Here you go. Everybody's waiting for it, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm still kicking that one around. We'll have to see. I'm mm-hmm. trying to um, figure out a way that I can... Uh, it, it, it's taking shape, let's say. Cool. And I did see... Um, I did see this. I did see this thing he did. So this is from, his, this is from Rich's course then. 
because I saw this the other day on Twitter. Yeah. This is like a, a repost, I think, of a student who took his course. Okay, um, I gotcha. Yeah, because the because the the product file one is just like it's just like a, a piece of driftwood that he photo scanned. Um, and then the, so basically like uh, yeah, in the class you're, you're you're learning how to model those plants, animate each plant one by one, and then how to instance those on top of this this branch or whatever. And then so I guess in in that uh, piece that that student created, he just basically took the growth fundamentals and then just put it on his own uh, geometry. Well, look at this right here, Jeff. Jeff posted something that he learned there in the course is. as well. There you go. See? So that's, man, that's pretty. Um, so um, I wanted to uh, just, I, you know, Mark, you work for Artie Minshew, but you do put out some stuff. You put out some tutorials from time to time, little Instagram here and there. And it's it sounds to me like, uh, you know, Barton, I, I, I kind of see some of y'all posting some stuff related to what you've been working on. I know it's kind of a hard thing to do when you're working with clients and you're working for someone and NDAs and all that kind of stuff, but you do put stuff out on your, your Instagram and other things. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah. Um, I like to post most like finished artwork stuff on Instagram. So that would be like Mark Fancher FX. So my name with FX at the end of it mm -hmm. is my Instagram handle. And then on Twitter, I like to do more like the BTS kind of like, you know, my like kind of personal like, you know, experimentations or mini tutorials or links to sort of like tutorials that I do. I, you can find me at feedback 55. So a completely different word than my actual name. That's yeah. feedback, all one word with two fives after it. <laughs> And Alex, what about you? Are you on the grams and things? Uh, yeah, I'm not. My, my names aren't nearly as uh, as snazzy as Mark's. Mine are just just purely just my name, just Alex Leo. Um, the only one that's different is Instagram. Got an underscore in between my first and last name, and that's because someone's someone has got it. the other one, and they won't let it go. Every time I try to switch it. my name, they're like, "Yeah, I know it's probably because I've tried to look up the account. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist." <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I'm I'm reading the the comments on Jeff's uh, post there and uh, Crossfader. He says one course at a time. I'm working through the MoGraph one first, then I'll get to this course for sure. <laughs> um, I I uh, did. It's, if there's any other questions at this time, put them in now forever hold your peace um the the question that uh, i did miss was kansas she was she had actually asked you i think in a discord or, or somewhere about do you have to have a math mind i did want to address that real quick before we we leave mm -hmm. do you feel like you have to have a math mind to do this obviously there's going to be some math but i'm not a big math minded person i'm not a programmer uh how do you feel in, in that area uh, so what I, I guess what, what I said to Kenzo was that like, um, I used to have a math mind. <laughs> I would say that knowledge has faded to the wayside. Like, you know, once basically, I guess once high school ended, you know, when I stopped having to implement math things. Um, so for me personally, like there, uh, yeah, like you were saying, like there's for sure like math things you need to know. And like, it does help out to have those kind of understandings um, of like what certain like functions do, why like um, just like, like absolute value things, like certain, certain things like that, where you just like, you need to know what it does. Um, 
But I feel like besides that, like at the end of the day, you know, you again, you're just writing those like lines of code, and then it's Houdini that's really calculating the math underneath the scene. So I, it's like it it helps, but I don't think you you necessarily need to be like a math whiz to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of my my viewpoint on it. I don't know about Mark. Yeah, I I definitely have a math mind. Unfortunately, I'm just not like the smartest person though. So it's like <laughs> I like gravitate towards math and physics and stuff like that, but I'm not like super like on top of it all. I kind of everything's a little fuzzy to me, but I I'm passionate about it, and I find like Houdini is a fun way for me to kind of explore that part of myself. You know, my background like when I went I went to school for. I went to school for physics in college, like, and so completely wound up in a major that actually relies pretty heavily on physics. Yeah, um, you know, as a job after school, but not the type of job that you would think someone who's taking physics in college would actually go into. But yeah, I find that motion and graphs and stuff they really speak to me, and I do like to use. I do like to code, but you don't need to code to be able to use Houdini. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's just the way I like to use it. You know. Yeah. Well, for anybody who wants to check it out or get some of the samples or what have you, uh, if you go to MoGraph.com slash classes, that's kind of the hub where you can get into everything. You can check it out. Uh, you can uh, you can click and you can go to uh, more info and uh, you can find all the videos that we were talking about on here earlier. Um, so, so check that out. And if you want to contact... Uh, uh, Mark or Alex, just hit them up on the interwebs, or if you're in our Slack channel, hit us up there. Um, I think that's about it. I, I think that's about it. I think we're going to get out of here. Make sure you check it out. We're going to play play out with the uh, promo video again, just because I think it's awesome looking, all that work you put into it. And um, thanks again, y'all, for being on and, and staying up with us late. And uh, chatting about nerd stuff on the internet. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, some people got some uh, some useful information out of it, and were at least enter- entertained a little bit, you know, by dad jokes and such. But uh, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, rate us on iTunes and uh, join our discussion every Monday. We do a podcast. Matt and I do a podcast, and uh, we talk about all sorts of motion graphic-y stuff and we have guests on and we talk about uh, tech stuff and art stuff and NFTs and joke around and have dog puppets on the show every once in a while. And uh, so join us there if you're new and uh, there'll be lots more Houdini stuff hopefully coming down the pipe and uh, stop being afraid of Houdini. It's time. Tis time. <laughs> Thanks y'all for being The on. time has come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all have a good night, and uh, thanks for being on. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I'm going to start this whole thing off with three bold words. Houdini is easy. here to tell you that you are in the right place. Stay tuned.
particle simulations, some fluid simulations, just all the simulations. Let's just run this again. <laughs> For all of you who are like me, who love computers and graphics and animation, you got this! An introduction to Houdini for motion designers and Cinema 40 artists looking to expand their skills. My apologies for the lame recording. I'm making this up as I go. You really do need to know what this stuff is to do the cool things. Sooner or later, your brain is going to start making connections. You came, you conquered, you saw. And congratulations for making it this far. Why didn't I know this existed? Cheers. proud of you and I'm a little bit emotional now I'm not gonna lie stop being afraid of Houdini without further ado let's let the learning begin Pretty good, I guess. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, SIGGRAPH, HalfRes, and local meetups. <laughs> Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. we got to stop this thing, Rick! It's going to kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame, frame what? MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in the HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous! Branch into new software, learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. Oh, brother, those are some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions, check out our plugins, or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it! We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com. MoGraph.com. 